The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheel buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, and along with my shot, riding shotgun with me this morning, as usual, Mr. Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody out there in cyberspace. Remember, I'm on the radio with Jerry this morning, so that means it's a super safe Saturday. Super safe Saturday means to slow down, move over, watch out for the pedestrians and the bicyclists on the road. Watch out for those nasty potholes that we are encountering all over the roads. Uh, if you're working on your car, be super safe. Jack stands, hood props, and disconnect the batteries on it to start. Let's let's make sure that everybody goes home. With all their fingers and toes, and and everybody's has a great day. Well said, sir. Well said. <clears throat> and I'd I'd like to mention this while it's still about half dark and half light out there. Turn your lights on. <laughs> if you're listening on. to the radio in the car and your lights are not on, turn them on, please, because it's got a cloud cover. And these cars that have the bubbles on them the, that look like camouflage, they start out with a gray vehicle, and then the bubbles come on with a little light. You can't see them if you don't have your lights on. And for the people, inspect your lights. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on in the show. But there's too many people running around with the lights not turned on. I can't see you until you get right up against me because my lights are on and it changes the way I'm seeing because the uh, your eyes adjust to the lighting. So yeah, it's a little it gets a little spooky out there when all of a sudden there's a car in the left lane coming at you at about 45 mile an hour. Well, that's, and that's really great, Jerry. Say, because oh, that's really great because you know uh, the most cars today have the daytime running lights, so you can drive down the road with your daytimes on and not think about all the rest uh-huh. of the lights that are on. So, so you could partially see. And you don't you don't really think about it, but nobody can see you from the back because you're dark in the back. So yeah, so check your lights. That's sure exactly right. <laughs> it's, like my little car doesn't even have the little automatic, so I actually have to turn them on every day. So I actually get out and turn them on, turn them off, and uh, so it, it's kind of a. But new ones, you know, with the automatics, if you have it set off or the 
just make sure they're on. And, you know, if you can't tell, you know, back up against a, a wall or something and step on your brake and you'll see your lights on, you know. So, yeah, just make sure they're all working because that's but, super important as we get darker and darker these days. Just just make sure that, uh, and one of the reasons is make sure that the vehicle that's approaching you with one light on is a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> Because if the right side light is on, it means, you know, it's, and you can't tell on the road what is dark. If the right side light on the car is on and the, there's no lights on the left side, it looks like a motorcycle coming on, on, on that side of the road. Wow, that guy's really driving good. He's not even close to my lane. So you're sitting there making excuses for you, and then he gets to you, and it's a full-size automobile. So, whoa. Hello. So, yeah, full, uh, driving, by the way, is a full-time job. And remember, for the senior citizens out there, the reaction time of a senior citizen driving is the same reaction time as a 17-year-old texting. Okay? Uh, so if, if, you're, if that's your reaction time <laughs> and you're texting, guess what? You lose. So uh, come on, people, please. Be careful. Be careful. You know, uh, I was watching TV. I was watching this storm that's going up the East Coast and how it hit Florida. Holy cow. I, I feel so bad for those people. I mean, it rained yesterday at my place about a half inch in about 50 minutes or less. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot of rain. And right in the middle of that thought process, I thought, what in the world? What about 17 inches of rain in about two hours? And you look at the, the films of Florida and for all the people, Tucson is a transit area as far as people coming in and leaving. A lot of people in Tucson have friends in Florida. My heart and prayers go out to the people in Florida because that is the biggest mess I have seen on TV. I mean, they say, well, it looks like a war zone. Nope. War zone has a break in the, in the carnage as far as the buildings and stuff. This thing just flattened stuff. I mean, it, it was just it was just gone. And then I was watching the news this morning, and that thing's running right on up into Virginia, Carolina, South Carolina, uh, up as far as Chesapeake, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. And it it's not over yet, but it's not. It's a, about a Category One or tropical. It keeps trying to go to Category. You know, you've got anywhere from 35-mile-an-hour winds to 85-mile-an-hour winds. So for all the people that have relatives on the East Coast, boy, we're thinking about them because I've got relatives in about four of those states that it's going through. So it's nasty, um, but, uh, you know, the evacuation that they had back there in Florida, I guess, was millions. And still, it is just, I mean, Mother Nature is quite a lady. And she's going to, I guess she decided it was time to clean up Florida or something. I have no idea. All I know is, you know, the weather is changing. The weather's always changed ever since I've been alive. And that's a couple of, couple of, couple of, couple of centuries. <laughs> feels like it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, turn your lights on. Inspect your lights, please. And, yeah. You make, what you do you want to say, Jim? You make a great point about that. The the uh, the hurricane. It was it's a total catastrophic failure down there. Everything is wiped out. So, but but think yeah. of it this. The, so, 
they those folks saw that hurricane coming. They had probably six days, maybe seven days. They knew it was coming. They watched it hit Cuba. So seven days, what are you going to do? Well, you know you're going to leave. Okay, so now you're you're trying to get all your stuff together as best you can, slam it in your car, and and drive what four or five hundred miles away so that you're out of the path. Oh yeah. That is not yeah. the time to be thinking, oh, I need to take my car in to make sure it's good to go. Because you know why? Because the mechanic isn't there. He's doing the same thing you're doing. He's packing up and leaving. There's nobody there to be fixing your car in six days before a hurricane. And this is what Jerry and I talk about all the time. If you think that you know a catastrophe can't strike her right away, guess again. It happens all the time. Um, and I, nobody can prepare for everything. We all know that. But we can do things that can be prepared. And when, when we talk about preventative maintenance, belts, hoses, oil, uh, fluids, lights, you know, those things are, are routine routine maintenance items that can have, that you can be taking care of instead of waiting for the last minute. You know, I'm, the waiting for the last minute and, oh, my gosh, I think I need to, I think I, I have a coolant leak and I need to get it fixed before I, so I can drive 500 miles. So I can just drive 500 miles. Now, if you're thinking, mm-hmm. like I said, if you're thinking that somebody who who sees a hurricane coming is going to take time to fix your car, well, think again, because they're not going to. They're going to get their stuff together, all the stuff that they can imagine, because the likelihood of them coming back to something is very low. The likelihood of them coming back to nothing is very high. Storm surges were, what, 12 feet, standing water of 7 feet? <laughs> 7 foot in a house Yeah, is pretty catastrophic. I've been through floods, not seven foot standing water floods, but I've had, when I lived in the flood of 83, and anybody who was around long enough to remember that, we had two feet of water in our I house. remember that. Exactly. Old timers like us remember that, Jerry. Two feet of water standing in a house is a huge deal. Even though it didn't really do structural damage, the cleanup is months and months, and all, and it was just mud. We're talking about houses that have been completely obliterated. We're talking about cars that are shoved in the middle of nowhere. We're talking about roads that are now, well, are now impassable. And not just today, but for many, many months to come. So we, as people start to filter back in, and you're talking about millions of people that are leaving you know, all at one time. Yep. There's no gasoline because it's all gone. Yep. <laughs> They're probably... There's yep. there's no there's no electricity because it's all knocked down. <laughs> there's no water because there's no electricity to pump the water. So you're going to go back to an area that's just is decimated. And yeah, shoot, I should have I should have thought about getting my car fixed before I left. Yeah, no, should have thought about that the month before. And we just like I said, we talk about this all the time. And 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 I know we say it every single time that it's really important. Have your car looked at. Get it checked. If there's a problem, take the simple step and get it get it taken care of. Not everything's going to get fixed all at one time, but like I said, when when we have uh, monsoon cells that come through that wipe out trees, down power lines, very isolated. But you know, if, if a tree lands on your car, it's a catastrophic event to you. I've done lots of work with trees on cars, cars that are smashed, cars that are flooded. I can't even imagine how many flooded cars they're going to have down there. Just cars pushed everywhere. Millions of cars are going to be des- that are destroyed right now. 
So, like well, I said, if, if, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point on the cars because normally after these big floods like we had at Katrina, <clears throat> they get these cars out, and then all of a sudden you start seeing these late model, low mileage cars popping up in Tucson, Arizona, and California, and the West Coast. And uh, they got a good price on them, a really good price. Well, then when you start checking them out, you find out that, oh, this has been in a flood. This has been in the flood. The car's been detailed, but when you get under the dash, that's a hard place to detail. And I've looked under the dash, and I've actually seen seaweed hanging out of the uh, bottom of the wiring under the dash. So we're going to run across an influx of cars that they are pulling out that's floating right now that'll be pulled out. And then they'll they'll clean them up and say, oh, this is a good car. Yeah, well, it wasn't running when the water come in, so it ought to be good to go. Yeah, okay. And um, so, but you're going to have, uh, you've got salt water coming in. Uh, salt water, uh, as you know, likes to uh, clean everything up really nice and pretty and go in and flush the oil and uh, do that. But there's going to be an influx of cars that's going to be coming across the country. It always has been. Now, as far as how do you evacuate, uh, there was a mandatory evacuation for Florida by the governor. And a lot of people took it. But when you get two, uh, over 2 million cars hitting the road at the same time, that's going to be a traffic jam from hell. And then when you get the gasoline, I went out last night to a Circle K at Harrison and Golf Links, and they were out of gas on all four lanes. And I'm going, is this what we've got coming? And if you're talking about electric down, and then this is, I'm not kicking anything. When you're talking about electric down in Florida, how are they going to charge your electric cars to get out? What's going to happen there? I mean, are they going to be able to pull over on the side of the road and say, okay, I'm going to charge us up now? I mean, when gas is out, and last week I mentioned something, and and it was actually real. I actually meant it. Uh, what about the gasoline for electric cars? How is it going to be when you have Mother Nature decide I'm going to take it over and I'm going to I'm going to clean this place up? I'm going to clean it right down to the ground and then start over again. Well, construction's going to be up. We know that cleaning this mess up is going to be a, a just a nightmare beyond description for the people who've worked all their life to build this stuff, and then Mother Nature comes through and just takes it out. Thank you very much. Okay, and but uh, you you were warned, and we're telling you. And the, I think the one thing that bothers me the most is people think it can't happen to me, and they get that mentality. It can't happen to me. It can't happen to me. Well, yeah, it can, and that's the reason that you're supposed to protect yourself, and you do. Now, Parker Automotive named hit one thing on the show here a couple of months ago, and he said, if you'll just do a little maintenance all the time, you'll be ready to go. And what that means, if you, if you do a little maintenance, one, you're going to be paying attention to your car, all right? So if you see something else, naturally, hopefully, you'll get that fixed while you're working on the oil change or something like that, and you see an oil leak. And if you're doing that, when you get ready for these emergencies, like uh, you you have a death in the family, God forbid, 
you have a death in your family, you've got to leave Tucson, Arizona, and you've got to go to Colorado, or you've got to go up to Montana where it's snowing right now, believe it or not. Well, it's that time of the year. And But is the car ready to roll? And you think, oh, well, if it's not ready, I'll just go rent a car. Is there a rental car available, or is everyone else had the same idea? You know, there's virtually no original ideas anymore. Everything's pretty much been thought about. So if you said, well, I'll just go into uh, and I'll rent a car. I've seen Tucson, Arizona, when the the gym show comes in, you couldn't buy a car, let alone rent one. I mean, the the rentals were just not available. Because we had customers who was trying to get uh, cars for during that period of time where their car was broken down. And by the way, they could have been prevented because we look at things like that because it's good to know if they had been doing regular maintenance or preventive maintenance, they wouldn't be having this problem. And that is most of the repairs that come through unless the computer just decides to come on and it sees a little something out of specifications or out of parameters and it notifies you. But a little bit of maintenance all the time keeps either you or the technician under the hood and looking for problems that could be. Just remember, this this thing is a it, it's a computer on wheels, and, or most of them are now. Like from, good Lord, 1980 when they started putting these things on with a uh, OBD1 when they started coming in. And now they're up to OBD forever and everything is covered under computers. And then when you take these vehicles, uh, they're just a piece of machinery. I know they're pretty because you've got your favorite color on the outside of it. People, beauty's only skin deep. Performance goes all the way to the ground on a car, and that that includes everything you can think about. And for the ones when we tell you check your tires, be sure your spare is up. Can you imagine trying to get Frontier towing out on a road call in the middle of two million people trying to get out of a state? That I can't I can't comprehend that. How would you run an emergency vehicle up the road when you've got that many vehicles sitting in line on the road? How would you get to somebody's broken down, Jim? Well, they wouldn't let you. But what happens is in a situation like that, and it's and I didn't know this until I, I talked to people in other states, what happens is, is the, the police put in a moratorium, and they call it a no travel. So unless you're going out there for the police, you're not going out there because they already know. I mean, if you're in evacuation, that's one thing. But as emergency responders like us, uh, you're you're going to take care of the police situations, and that's going to keep you relegated to the town that you're in. And you get away to the last, and then you start moving your you know you start moving your equipment out because you're gonna they know that you're going to need you on the way back in. Now, like you said, getting to two million people in the middle of the roadway. It's impossible. You, you, you know, travel lanes are, are, there's no south direction. It's all north direction. Both sides of the interstate are northbound. Um, it's, it's coordinated to say the best, but the police, um, if you're broke down the side of the road, and they just, you get shoved off to the side because there's, there's no way to get you out there to, and to cause another, another 
headache. So because when, when we're working on the side of the road, people slow down. And this is what we talk about. So that's why the law is to move over, to kind of keep the traffic going. Because even if there's a car, a trooper, or us, or even a broke-down vehicle on the side of the road, people have a tendency to, to slow down. Um, and they, and they, so that creates the bottleneck, which is where, they, and then it, that's when what they call a secondary accident occurs. Now a crash occurs, and then another crash occurs, and then another crash occurs. So when you keep, when you get all that, that domino effect, um, it just, it just makes the traffic, delays it further and further. So now you have more, now you have to have more responders to the scenes to make sure that you get the vehicles and the people moved out. So the goal is to keep the traffic flowing as quick as, you know, as best and as freely as you can. That's why we have to get out there quickly, right. move the cars, and get on. When when it's two million people and the and the interstate is bumper to bumper, literally for hundreds of miles, you know you're you're going to be off the side of the road, and people are going to be going by you, and getting to you would take an enormous amount of time. But the uh, but what happens is you get focused in in what's in the in town area, so that you can get stuff moved and get it get people out of the way, and then as the whole Basically, the storm moves as you and all the other traffic moves to the north or to out of the out of the blast zone, so to speak. Um, you get to be on the tail end, making sure that everybody's pushed on the way out, and then as you get escorted out with the police. That's why there's a, a, a mandatory um, uh, evacuation model. It's um, it's really it's those guys. Believe it or not, they have they practice this and they have extensive planning. Unfortunately, all of us in the general public haven't planned it and haven't practiced it, so we're not so good at it. That's why they have to be. That's why they have to be kind of in their lane to get us focused and get us moving out. So they do the best they can. But yeah, getting getting somebody on the side of a road like that, you'd never make it there. You'd never get there, and and nobody would go. They'd all be like, "Well, we're we're already focused on other things, and and we can't get to you." And you would just be stuck there. So those those junky tires that you thought were going to be okay now are not okay, and there was nobody in town to replace them because they all closed up and left. I mean, they went to Home Depot, they bought every sheet of plywood they could, boarded up everything they could, hoping it would be there when they got back, and 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 left. And there's nobody that along the way to say, "Oh, come on in, we'll get you a good deal on a set of tires." They're not there. That's why we talk about changing <laughs> your tires, getting them changed. And uh, and then you were talking about the, the millions of cars that are going to be the flood damaged cars that are going to filter their way everywhere. And you're right, Jerry. They're going to wind up here. But don't forget, there's boats, boats that are out there that are in oh Florida. I can't even imagine how many boats there are that are probably you know damaged or wiped out or flooded. Um, maybe not quite so bad, you know. But you still got damaged boats and the RVs. There's probably a bunch of RVs out there too. So if you're if you see that really really good deal on an RV uh, and it has a Florida license plate on it, you might want to look really close at it too. Um, well, when they abandon the cars, I mean, when when they pick the cars up and the insurance company just writes you a check for total loss, and they mail you a check in the mail or, or just give you a check, you'd say, okay, my my vehicle is floating somewhere in the corner of the ocean. Um, well, you know, the insurance company, they just write you a check for total loss, and then they're done with you. 
Well, when they recover these cars and pull them out, they pull the plates off and they send the plates in. So when they show up in Arizona, unfortunately, they don't have any kind of warning indications on them that says, okay, by the way, this vehicle was in a flood. I'm telling you people, I bought one of a vehicle that had had seaweed under the dash, and I spent $4,500 on it the first year. And remember, I drove it to the shop, and I looked at it. It was beautiful. This was years ago. And it's a beautiful three-quarter ton Chevy truck. Man, I'm telling you, I was tickled to death because the price was right. And I didn't realize how much that price was until I added $4,500 to it. And then I got mad and sold it because a little uh, $42 module went out in the ignition system. And instead of wanting to fix it, I, I did. I took it back to the shop, and I fixed it, and I sold that darn truck. I never got back in it after that. And I was mad as the dickens when I did it. Only a customer of ours bought it, and he drove that thing for three and a half years with zero problems. So I said, he shouldn't have. I fixed every daggone thing under it. <laughs> so uh, I'm telling you, beware. If it's too good to be true, go with your gut. It is too good to be true. So you, you just figure that, uh, well, here we go, and uh, plan accordingly. And another thing on this gas shortage, when you have that many people leaving, and let's say you decide, okay, well, I'm going, I've, I've been this road before, so I know what to expect. I'll bet you $100 to a donut that you have purchased a five-gallon gas can. And not only are you going to fill up your car or truck, you're going to fill up your gas cans, your spare, and you're going to make sure that you've got extra fuel in your vehicle so you don't run out while you're running at 500 miles or 600 miles going up a road. Because everybody else in line has to have petrol or some kind of, uh, they've got to have gasoline or diesel or electric in order to get where they're going. So they're going to be doing the same thing, especially if they're like you. Been there, done that, need to prepare a little better. This is what I remember. This is what I'm going to do. If you can't drive to a Circle K in Tucson, Arizona, at the corner of uh, Harrison and Golf Links, and get gasoline, and this is not the first time that I've seen gas out of these distributors here in Tucson. And I'm going, okay, I don't know if there's a gas shortage coming. I can't predict it. I won't predict it because it just makes my hair hurt. And But this is something that you need to actually think about. But for the procrastinators out there, and I don't, and I call that procrastinators because I am one to a degree, but not when it comes to um, uh, transportation or personal safety that I need that I won't have if something happens. I have three vehicles, four vehicles, counting a motorhome. All four of them are capable of starting up and driving where I want to go. With it, because everything I don't have bad tires on anything. <coughs> I have hot batteries. I have batteries that's inside the engine compartment that are time dated. They're okay. You know they've got less than two years on them. And I don't have any major oil leaks. I don't even have any little oil leaks because everything is maintained. And you say, well, you own a garage, you can do that. No, I didn't own a garage all my life. And ever since I was a kid driving a car, 
the first thing I learned was, oh, and by the way, you got to have a spare tire in your trunk because the tires that dad left on the car are pretty much worn out because an old farmer said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I learned the hard way. Uh, and it, it's just, it's preventive maintenance and it's something that you absolutely cannot ignore. You can. You still have the option of ignoring what that vehicle that you depend on to get your family out and move things in case of an emergency. You have that option. It's just not very smart when we decide, well, you know, I got a big flat screen TV I want to purchase and, uh, it costs just about the same amount as that getting that car fixed, uh, my main transportation fix. So I'll just go ahead and buy the TV and ignore the automobile. Well, you can't ride that TV out of the house. It don't, it, it's not a transport, it's not a vehicle transportation system that you can depend on. It just sits there and, and occupies dead time. So it, it's just something that you need to pay attention to, especially the safety items on a car. If you have an oil leak and you know you've had an oil leak because you've been putting a quarter in it, a quart of oil in it once a week, you say, that's cheaper than getting it fixed. Well, it's not in the long run. And um, so just heads up on that stuff. I mean, get get a plan, write it down. I know it's just something else you've got to try to remember, but these cars run better, run longer. And when they that little red blinking light comes on, you don't have an option. I mean, it's time to get it in. The vehicle says, you will take me to the garage or I will just quit on you. Or when you do take me to the garage with this blinking light running and the power cut back, it's a possibility that you're doing catastrophic damage to the vehicle. That's what that blinking red light if you're fortunate enough to even have a blinking red light. And I know that's kind of like, okay, well, you know, I hate these lights on the dash. I knew people that put black tape over the over the red light on the dash, on the indicator. The mal indicator light, we've had cars come into the garage that had black electrical tape over the light because it come on, the car is still running, and they just ignored it. And the price to fix it was probably three times what it was before that light come on. So you just don't take that chance. Um, when you run into weather emergencies, if you keep your car up and keep it filled up, try keep at least a quarter of a tank of gas in it. <clears throat> and then when you go out, you've got a little bit of a cushion to get to a station. But that old thought, when you've got a million vehicles or cars leaving because they've been require, required to evacuate, uh, what you're going to run a quarter of a tank, you've got probably about 40, 50 miles that you can, I'm sure there's going to be a service station waiting. How many other people in line have already figured that out and they're doing the same exact thing you are doing? So uh, you've got to do a, a little bit more pre-planning if you've got an emergency evacuation. You don't have time to put air in the, in the spare tire if, the, if it's a big forest fire coming through. There's more emergencies out there than just a hurricane coming through. If uh, Yesterday, when I was waiting for the rainstorm to come through here, I looked out on the back porch and out across to I-10, which is about 12 miles away, 13 miles away, and I noticed there was dust ahead of the storm. 
And I'm thinking, boy, I hope that thing don't get to Interstate 10 and start going towards Phoenix because that's going to be a mess. And that's the direction it was headed. So I don't know what happened out on the freeway, but how many of you have been had the privilege of getting in Haboob on your way to Phoenix or on your way to New Mexico across the flats? How many people have, have had the privilege of all of a sudden you're driving, you hit the dirt, and you can't see the front hood emblem <coughs> or the front of your car because of the dirt? <coughs> Excuse me. That's one frightening experience. So, Jim, would you like to add anything on to the emergency weather conditions and the emergency car stuff, and then we'll, we'll move on? Sure. The, when um, you were talking about the, the quarter tank of gas, and you, you'll just drive up the road and get some later, you know, imagine that you've you're, you're the hurricane's coming. Uh, the stress level I can't even imagine. Uh, knowing that I'm going to leave nope. my residence or my business, and I'm going to drive for a day to where I don't even know where I'm going. Maybe I have relatives. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm just going to drive, you know, to as far as I can to get out of the path. My stress level because I have me and my family with me, or just maybe me and my dog, and um, we're going to drive yep. someplace. And hopefully in a week, when we come back, everything's going to be standing. Your stress level is going to be through the roof. You're trying to take care of your family members. Now your stress level is even compounded. Oh, by the way, we're going to drive the car, and now and the check engine light comes on sporadically, like Jerry says. I want to know why it comes on. I don't pay attention to it because it still runs. Now I'm going to drive, and the check engine light's going to come on, and now your stress gets compounded even further. I can't imagine it get compounded even farther, but now you're sitting there thinking, great, are we going to break down in the middle of the interstate with 10, other, 10 billion other people moving out you know, with no place to go, and nobody's going to stop to help us, and nobody can come to get us? I, I, I can't even imagine that, that living in that environment. That's, it would shove anybody over the edge, would just completely annihilate right. somebody because it's just un you're just you're just at your at your limit. You're at your limit. You can take no more pressure whatsoever. If somebody says boo, you're gonna jump out of your skin. So you know yep. do yourself a little favor because uh, you're gonna go five hundred miles maybe. I mean Florida it's for what, four hundred and seventy from from the from Miami to up to uh Tallahassee. It's not. It's not a. It's not a short distance by any means. Um, so, just, just thinking that you know you could break down somewhere along the way where there is nothing or nobody, or you're broke down on the middle of the interstate where the hurricane's coming. You're broke down on the That's middle right. of the interstate and the hurricane's coming, and you're stuck in your car with a hundred and fifty mile an hour wind. I, you know, it, 150 mile an hour winds what it takes to lift an airplane. An airplane lifts off at 150 miles an hour. So, if you think you're gonna your car is gonna stay there at 150 miles an hour, it's not. It's gonna get shoved away. You're gonna get shoved away. There's no stopping. There's no protecting you in a car in 150 mile an hour winds. It's so um, there's so much force there. It it's um, you can't even describe it. You just can't describe how how much force there is with the wind. Uh, 
we we complain about forty mile an hour winds. You know, we're talking about quadrupling that. So yeah, it's it's these little. little but unless you're that, driving, unless you're driving a NASCAR, <laughs> and then that's got uh, accommodation for one person, and it's got roll cages, it's got fire extinguishers, fire systems on it. Uh, you're in a five-point harness. You've got a Hans device. You've got a helmet. You've got a fire suit. You've got everything. And unless you're driving a NASCAR up the freeway, and they suck when it comes to fuel economy. So you're not even safe in a NASCAR if you plan on getting from point A to point B, especially if it's around three or 400 miles, and, and you're driving. And you're not driving a NASCAR. If you're driving on the roads with 18 wheelers, you can see those guys go over what 85 mile an hour crosswind. Will take a 18 wheeler out, Jim. Oh, easily, easily. The, the profile is so huge. Yeah, 85 mile. I think a 60 will will tip one over if you're if the load is is not properly oh. placed. Right. Well, all I know is there's too much to think about while you're trying to evacuate. And I, my plan in a situation like that is if somebody tells me something's coming, I don't wait anymore. I'm I'm too old to be, you know, I can't move around as quick as I used to. And so you have to say, okay, this is what I've got to do. And you go do it. You don't wait. If you buy that five gallons of gas and it sits in the bed of your truck or the back of your Honda, uh, it's still there. And then when you have to move, if you can't get gasoline, you can start driving and keep your fingers crossed and hope like a Dickens. That's what everybody has to do. Hope like a Dickens you run into something that has a gas station. But remember, don't gas pumps run off electricity? I mean, the pumping apparatus has to be charged up. You have to have electricity to run them. If you don't have an electric going to that gas station, what are you going to do? I don't care if they got the tanks full. What are you going to do? How are you going to get the gas out of it? You can't use an Oklahoma credit card and suck it out of the ground and put it in your car. So uh, there's just too many, too many things that makes your hair hurt. And the only thing, if you take it all the way back to the basics, if you have your vehicle properly maintained and uh, uh, the engine's running like it's supposed to, you have the carbons out of it like it's supposed to, or controlled the way you're supposed to, your fuel economy is going to be better. You're going to have that little extra mileage at the end of that tank that will help you out in the long run. So, you know, there's just, I mean, there is no benefit to ignoring a vehicle's runnability issues. There is no benefit that I can think of. And I've been doing it for 40 some years, and it's just there is no benefit. So uh, check your vehicles out. I don't care if it's brand new. Brand new vehicles, they come with their own set of technical service bulletins that tells you, oh, and by the way, this it, we, we, we've gotten some feedback from the public that this is not uh, working like it's supposed to, and we've got more than one feedback on the same problem. That's the reason they send the technical service bulletins out. You people that are out there that 30% of you still driving with uh, recalls that you haven't bothered to go in and get cleared up. Well, now you're in the middle of a hurricane and you're evacuating. Is that recall? Is that part that was recalled going to show up while you're evacuating? 
So when you have a vehicle that you depend on to keep your butt safe and get your family out, you keep it up because the ultimate comes to you or your significant other to keep that vehicle in running shape. And I've heard these stories about, yeah, well, we, we have a backup car that we leave in the garage pretty much all the time. We drive about once a year, and that'll be a good backup car for us. Don't you bet your hand in on it. Don't you bet your health on it. Let's put it that way. So it, it's just these are recommendations because it's still a free world. Last time I checked, sometimes I question it, but you you still have the option. That car belongs to you. And it's just like having a dog. You have to take care of it, just like having an animal or mules. Now, the people down in Florida, I know a lot of them have horses. What happened to the horses when they had to evacuate? You know, that makes me just absolutely sick at my stomach just to think about that. You've got these animals that you can't get out. You've got too many dogs. You've got a car full of people. Uh, You've got one of these little gas misers that hold uh Four people crowded, and you haven't got room, and you got your dog sitting in your lap. For the ones of you that are fortunate enough to take your dogs out with you, the rest of them are on their own. There ain't nothing you can do about it. People elect to stay home during a catastrophe just to be with their animals, and I can totally understand that. And I just, it's, it's unreal. Anyway, can you get a Jim, can you pick another subject that's not quite so depressing? <laughs> oh, we got uh, two family four pa- we got well, hang on, Jim. We got two family four packs of tickets for callers one and two, five twenty, seven one nine, fourteen ninety for the Tucson Speedway tonight. They've got a race going on. I got two family four packs for callers one and two, five two zero seven one nine. 1490, 520-719-1490. If you want to go to the Tucson Speedway tonight to watch them, they got about three or four divisions that's running. Should be a good show, and I think the weather's actually going to hold up. With my luck, it'll probably rain again, but that's okay. We can use the rain. I'm not complaining about the rain whatsoever. Let it rain. So that's for callers number one and two on the free free family Two family four-packs. That means four people can get in on one ticket. So now I got that out of the way. All right, Jim, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, let's, uh, if, if you're if you're going to go, if you want to talk about something fun, let's go to the racetrack. That's that's a, that's a real blast. If you go out there and watch those guys, it's uh, very entertaining. I, you know, I, I do it from time to time, and it's, it's still still quite entertaining. I uh, love <laughs> watching go around and around and thinking, you know, thankfully I don't have to do that, but it sure is fun to watch. So, Oh, yeah. You watch somebody else blow a motor that you don't have to replace? <laughs> watch somebody else blow a motor? Hey. Well, you know, it's, it's cool. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fender bending, uh, you know, a little fender bending, a little crash, and nobody gets hurt. And I, I don't mind watching the crashes. I just don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone. I agree. Now, like I, I alluded to NASCAR, well, that's the same rules and roll cages and fire extinguishers and stuff that they have in these little cars. 
And so they are a heck of a lot better protected than you are just driving down the street. And plus, all of them are going in the same location most of the time. I have seen them where you come around the turn and you accelerate out at about 90 miles an hour. And then there's some guy that decided he's going to park in the middle of the track, hated your direction. That, (laughs) it gets a little spooky. But you still have all your safety equipment on. And normally you just hit and bounce and, you know, it may wake you up or shake you up, but you're all right. You're running on adrenaline anyway while you're racing. Most of the guys are, especially the rookies, you know. So, and they're, trust me, they're not texting while driving either. They, they are, are full-time drivers when you're on that racetrack. <laughs> they are not taking selfies. There's no selfies being taken while you're on the racetrack, guaranteed. <laughs> you're yep. not trying to take a picture. Unless you're at NASCAR and you're under a red flag situation, then they take selfies and stuff, or they used to. Who was it? Um, Logano, I think it was, or Kyle Busch, or one of those guys took some selfies one time when they're sitting in the traffic waiting for the, sitting on the track waiting for the red to go down and the green to come back on. But they weren't moving. Nobody was moving. It was totally safe for those guys to do that. So it's just weird that they'd actually do it. I didn't know anybody carried a cell phone with them in a car, but I guess the cell phone goes everywhere you go now. I uh, yeah. All right. I, I wouldn't have thought now, that. Now, we... But... we uh, do you have any other thing for safety on the road before we switch and go to other things that we can get to? Oh, well, let's switch gears. Mm-hmm. Let's switch gears. All right, you got it. Um, ordering parts online, online auto parts. Uh, I, I have run across two people that I know it's uh, dear to my heart that went online and ordered parts. Uh, They got them in. They uh, put them on the front of the car, and it was an upper A-arm. It come with all the parts in it, and, boy, it was was $40 less than it was to go down to uh, Merle's and get all the parts to fix the existing A-arm on it. And uh, when he got them in, after putting them on a modified vehicle that had headers on the inside, and headers take up a lot of room uh, that the manufacturer really didn't care about when they put them on on the car because they put manifolds on these engines in these engine compartments instead of these big headers that they put on for performance, additional performance. And so the nightmare started when he started putting his A-arms on, he got his A-arms on, had to notch one of the A-arms because one of the header, uh, one of the headers uh, tubes, I think, got interfered with it when it would go up. Well, he got it all put together, and he reached and grabbed his spindles to check them to make sure they're moving uh, left and right, you know, like the normal movement for turning when you're driving. And both sides were frozen. Then he had to pull them off again. And, well, he's already notched the A-arm, uh, the upper A, so he could. you can't turn them back in because you've already ground them out. <clears throat> so there's no refund on these A-arms that he ordered online. He knows that. And so he has to pull the A-arms back out again on this car, and he has to go down to Merle's and buy the ball joints for it. And then he has to 
take it to a press, press them in, press them out to get the, the ball joints that actually would move when you put it in the car. And so that's one reason that, so he wound up wasting a bunch of money for the A-arms and he gets it in and then he has to pull them back out and modify them, put, change the ball joints in them because the ball joints were frozen from the, the aftermarket part that come on from online price uh, online suppliers. And that was that one situation. And so you have a problem when you order parts, especially when you they don't work and you need to send them back and get them back in. Uh, do your homework on them sometime when you're uh, pinching pennies or a $20 bill or something like that. It's really not worth it because of the amount of downtime that you're going to have on the vehicle. The vehicle is not running. You can't drive it. It's, it's not a service to your family. And so when you're doing that, just be careful. Yes, you can get parts from online that work real well. And But every now and then you're going to get something that's going to make you so mad you won't even be able to. You'll have to take about two days to think about it before your thought process gets back into, okay, this is the procedure that you return this part, and this is what I have to do now. And so just be careful with online parts. Uh, my, uh, This is a friend of mine that had that happen to him, and then my own brother out of Carolina had it happen to him on a, on a vehicle. And when he ordered the parts, they got in, and they were, they were the parts looked good, except they looked kind of funny, and then he took it out to match it to his other parts, and they weren't the same. And so it had to go back. And then he finally just gave up and started getting his parts right there locally because he said, yeah, it cost me more money, but not in the long run, not, not when you figure the overall cost of the running, the transportation, the downtime. And, I'm thought, and that's just the last two weeks. So... This is still happening. It still works. We like to shop online because it's a lot more convenient, and that's where the that is the best part of shopping online is the convenience. The rest of it is buyer beware. That hasn't changed since I've been in the automotive industry. Buyer beware. What you get, what you think you're getting, may not be the same quality or even the right part. So make sure that everything is verified. Order your parts by VIN number. These places that sell parts have a VIN number that they can back it into and make sure that that part is correct. So that's what my recommendation on that. All right, Jim, we were talking last week about the difference in fuels, me and you were. The difference in fuels at, let's just call names, QT and a commercial vendor on fuels. Tell me what you found out about that. It kind of shocked you. <laughs> well, I was, uh, so, because we run big trucks, we uh, fuel, it's pretty hard to put a semi-truck into a QT. There's only, there's one, and it's the one up on Ina Road, um, has a, actually has a QT truck stop, but for the most part, you can go to the flying. You can go to the pilot, or you can go to the triple T to fuel a semi truck. There are also um, for us. There's what they call commu uh, commercial fueling stations. Uh, and what these are is are basically a gas pump, 
with a card reader. Uh, you put your you put your card in there because we have commercial cards, like a credit card, but it's it's just for fuel. Doesn't do anything else. There's nothing else there. There's no there's nobody there. There's no attendant. There's no soda pop. There's no tea. There's no pizza. There's just gas pumps. So you roll in there, and you put your card in there. You, you key in all the information you have to, like the mileage and the truck and the whole nine yards. And then it turns on the pump, and you fuel your truck, right? So I I was working on trucks the other day, and some of our trucks fuel at QT because it's convenient. And QT actually offers commercial fueling. They give you um, it's fair pricing. It's you know it's sometimes it's depending on fuel because fuel is Pricing is volatile on a almost like an hourly basis, but they they keep it to the day, and it actually changes on a daily basis. Um, so you, I um, some of our trucks fuel at QT just because it's easier to to keep them staged around town. So I took I had a fuel pump issue on one of our, one of our trucks. So I had to take the fuel tank out, and everybody knows I don't care if it's a gas car or a you know. Thankfully, it wasn't a Corvette where you know where you got to take the, the exhaust down, or or a Challenger or, or Charger you got to take the exhaust down. But you had to pull the drive shaft and, and pull the fuel tank out. So I took the fuel out, and it was a truck that we run at QT, and the fuel came out clean, you know. And I'm looking at the fuel, hey, you know, this is this is pretty good, it's pretty nice. So I I took that fuel, you know, now that I've got it in, in buckets, I'm like, well. And what am I going to do with this? I don't want it just laying around. So I put it in one of our trucks. I put it next to one of our trucks so I could so I could use it, you know, so I could hold it. And I'm just going to take it out. So I put it in there. I put the fuel in the big truck so I can so I can take it out so I can just hold it because I don't want to get, I don't want to kick it over, spill it all over the ground. You know, I, I want to get out of the way. So I I I do all that, fix the fuel pump, and wrestle it back in there, and I go to get the fuel out of the out of the big truck. And lo and behold, as I took it out, the fuel that came out of the big truck was just nasty, dirty. I mean, you could actually see the dirt coming out of it. And it's because the oh my um, gosh. although 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 they filter their fuel, uh, it's the age of the tanks in the ground. Now, a lot of the places that I mm-hmm. deal with have are old stations. They've been around since the the early '80s, late '70s. So the tanks are 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And what nobody goes and pumps the tank out and cleans the dirt out of the bottom. The dirt just stays in the bottom, because, and that's part of the sediment. And the water stays in the bottom, and all the crud stays in the bottom. Eventually, QT tanks will get to that point, but since they, since they run um, top tier, it's a little bit cleaner. It's a, well, That's actually a significantly cleaner. I was really amazed how clean their fuel was. So my my recommendation is when you're when you're buying fuel, you know, check your supplier because you can actually see dirty fuel in relation to clean fuel. And if if you don't believe me, go get a go get your little gas can and put a gallon in in from different people in 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 a gas can and then then dump it into like a white bucket and look at the difference of the fuel. You will be amazed how how what the varying difference between a top tier grade and regular fuel is it's it is unbelievable and you can, just the naked eye you can see it it's it, i couldn't believe how much dirt was in it and i thought my god my tanks are dirty well no it's just the fuel is dirty it's just the fuel because i tried it on several trucks wow. 
And it's just, just the fuel is dirty because older stations have get get over time they they acquire sediment just from the process of of, of filling the tank and un, and taking it out. You know, it just it just happens. Fuel tanks get dirty over time. So just be aware of that when Absolutely. you guys are doing it. And it's it's and it's a testament also. Hey, if you don't think changing fuel filters is important, yeah, guess again. <laughs> There's the best thing you can do for your That's fuel right. is change your fuel filters. So, plus if you're running diesels, and as Jerry will tell you, you get that nasty algae in your fuel tank. Oh, buddy, that is a bad day. That is the, the worst day ever. You get that algae in there, it will plug up fuel filters like nobody's business. And when you go to kill it with the algicide, there isn't enough cleaning you can do. You're going to go through a dozen filters, even after you drain your tank out and get that crud out of there. You're still going to you're still going to change fuel filters because it just it just fills and plugs them tight. It, I can't it's, believe how 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 it just can plug a filter up in like five minutes. It's just crazy. So. Um, I had, that that Jim. That's the reason that they put uh, multiple filters on these trucks now. On even the three quarter tons, uh, anything that's running a diesel in them now. <coughs> Excuse me. Most of the vehicles now. Um, my '06 Dodge had three filters on it, just filtration systems on it. Now, the second set that I put on it, because it only had the one filter on it, uh, that was a $500 experiment that we did with it with the truck. And we kept following the filters, and we would start with the one in the back first, which makes total sense. That's the one that filled up first. Then it would bleed over. What bled through that one would get to the second filter, and then it would be dirty. And so you'd have to clean those two, and then you'd. By the time you reach the one on the engine, believe it or not, there wasn't anything in that filter at the engine, which is where it, the next step is inside the motor. And so, uh, most of your diesels now have two filters on them, on the truck. Or three. And GM has them. I think Dodge has them. I hope it Dodge has them. I haven't even looked at mine yet, but. They are to filter the the bad, the dirty fuel. It's just like Jim said. You cannot, you put it in a tank over a period of time, it's going to accrue. As far as the algae in it, you can go to powerservice.com, powerservice.com, and you can read up on the algae uh, treatment that they have there. That's one of the best on the market. And... Hopefully, it'll cut it down, cut the algae down, and make it to where it goes through, and it looks like fish food. It's a little, little breaks it down fish food. But that's what the filters catch, and that's what Jim's talking about, to keep it out of your system. Because when that stuff goes through and it's fish food, and it goes into a pencil that's smaller than the end of a needle to be distributed, it don't like to process that. That's the reason you run gas additives in these late model cars that have these fancy fuel delivery systems. You run the additive in it to help it keep it clean, break the stuff down so it can go on through and be processed. All right, we're about, how much time we got? Oh, we're out right now. I can hear it. 
So we're going to take a break at the top of the hour. 520-719-14990. Join us with the Southern Star Care Show for the second hour. We'll be right back. <laughs> 